welcome to Popper's Cage, episode 14. My name is Gabo, and with me is Dime Collector. Hello, Dime. Hey, Gabo. How you doing, man? I'm pretty good. Um, I'm uh, very excited to talk about our main topic today, which is going to be Return to Ravnica. How are things on your side? Things are going pretty well. I've been in the L.A. area here for a little over two weeks now, but still trying to stay plugged into what's going on in the magic world. And I think we've got this brand new set here that could have a lot of potential to shake some things up in our format. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so, well, if things are good, let's uh, let's start looking at the guilds. Uh, so sure. let's start with Azorius. First, let's look at their keyword, which is... Detain. So detain uh, basically applies a, an arrest on on a on a permanent uh, for the next turn. It stops them from attacking or blocking and from using their activated abilities. Now, do you think the the keyword itself, based on some of the creatures that it's on, do you think it it'll make any kind of effect on classic popper? Well, first of all, I think it's a nice flavorful mechanic for this guild because the the guild represents order and the establishment in a way so having detain is their way of um, i guess enforcing order upon others i don't know that detain will see any play in classic popper we have to really wait and see with what people do with these cards but also what comes out in the future sets yeah i don't see it uh on the cards that I've looked at, having any application, though I think Standard Popper could be a, a different story, which we can talk about when we get to some of the other cards. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, what about you? What is your thoughts? Well, um, I mean, it's definitely flavorful, as you said. I mean, it's it, you know, there's a card Arrest, and that has everything to do with what Azorius is. You know, they're the Guild Police. Uh, so yeah, but but as the way it's been implemented in some of the cards that we've seen. Um, yeah, I don't see it having a, a big effect. Let's talk about one card in particular, which which could, uh, if it had a higher power uh, for that card, it could actually be used for something like White Weenie. Uh, but because it's it's I guess kind of kind of weak, um, I don't think it's going to make it. And that is the card you're talking about is called Azorius Arrester, and he's one colorless, one white. For a 2-1 human soldier, and when he enters the battlefield, you detain target creature and opponent controls. Yeah, so that, that could definitely uh, work in, a, in an aggressive deck, uh, you know, just stopping their, uh, one of their creatures from, from blocking uh, whatever you're attacking with, and it would help in a race versus other aggressive ra- uh, decks because you're, you're stopping them from attacking you in their next turn. But... The creature itself is very fragile, right? It's just a 2-1. So I don't think that would make the cut, uh, at least not versus the other really strong white weenie cards we have right now. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I think this ability, the more I'm looking at it, it looks really good, especially in limited play as a tempo swing because you get to attack into their one drop and then their one drop can attack you so the fact that he's a two one isn't that bad but i think the main thing with classic popper is that there's already other two drops that are worth playing before you would consider this guy like squadron hawk and loyal cathar so i think that's why he probably won't see much play and also 
there's a similar card to this that exists called Core Hookmaster from Zendikar. Yeah. And she's a 2-2, and she keeps the guy tapped down for basically two uh, of your attack phases, which is a little bit more significant, I think, than having this guy come down a turn earlier. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that one doesn't see play, right? I think it might have seen some play uh, in previous generations of White Weenie, but definitely not right now, not as right. it stands. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I do want to say I think this guy fits perfectly in standard popper white weenie. <laughs> I think it's going to be powered down a little bit, which I actually think is good for that format. Um, it's losing the M12 card, so it's losing Guardian's Pledge, mm-hmm. and then it's also losing Gideon's Lawkeeper. And that's why this card's going to be good, Azorius Arrester, because the the replacement for Gideon's Lawkeeper is probably going to be War Falcon. And War Falcon really wants uh, soldiers in in its deck. And the so, the options for soldiers right now is pretty limited. Um, but this guy being printed is fits p- perfectly into the curve because the two drops are going to be Loyal Cathar and this guy to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, you maybe also play the Sun Striker, which is, I think, a knight, which would qualify him as being uh, worth considering. Mm-hmm. But I think this card will be just what uh, White Weenie and Standard Popper wants, especially in the two-drop slot. Though it is going to make that deck pretty vulnerable to a card we'll talk about later called Electricery, which is a yeah. sweeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. I have so, a quick question. Is this this card to me, I can't tell, and not that it's that important, but I can't determine the gender because the the, the character appears to have breasts, but it also <laughs> I get a more masculine sense <laughs> from the face and the overall uh, physique of this I, character. I, I think he's, he has man, be- man breasts. Okay. That's right. I mean, if you look at the... Um, the the Stealer of Secrets art. Have you seen that one? Is that the uh, scroll thief? That is the new scroll thief. She okay. is wearing uh, an armor plate that has a very large, or, or not okay. large, but very um, pronounced, pronounced uh, the, the curve on the breastplate. <laughs> okay. And uh, it, 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 I think that's that's just how how they build the the breastplates in uh, the Azorius. They they, okay. they like some space. Gotcha. <laughs> I think he is a guy for sure. Okay. All right. So the one I want to mention uh, from Blue, I, I don't think this card actually belongs to a particular guild, uh, but it's Doorkeeper. So that's a, a zero four for one and a blue uh, that has the ability. It's got Defender, I believe, and it has the ability that for two and a blue mana, you can mill X cards for each, where X is the number of defender creatures you control. And uh, your clanmate, uh, Michael uh, Redzilla, what had has a, an article where he was talking about how this could combo quite well with uh, the Wall of Kelp card. Um, did, did you read that article, Dime? Yeah, but for some reason I'm blanking on what the other wall... So this other, the the Wall of Kelp uh, just basically has an ability that starts adding little uh, token creatures that are small walls, like they're like 0-1 walls or 0-2 walls, something like that, um, that have Defender. So you can, you could stall out the board 
with with these cards, all these defender cards, and start adding all these walls to your to your board that stop anyone from from attacking you, at least aggressive decks. And then you can start milling your opponent for a larger number of cards because you have all these walls. Mm. Um, so, I mean, the, the the idea sounds really cool, and it, it works with uh, some other cards that we'll see later on, but it does sound like it's going to be a little slow. It sounds like it's going to be one of those combo decks that, that we'd like for them to work, but might be a little slow for, especially for the Tier 1 uh, decks, you know, like Delver and the Cloud Post and all that. So that would make it more of a, a casual, a casual deck, unless it can find a way to, to get through all these counter spells and, and combos. Yeah, I do like this interaction, and I do like the fact that both of the creatures are two drops, so they're not they're not too expensive to get down on the board, and they come down early. Now, I feel like this combination of cards is a little mana intensive because. Uh, well, to, to spend three mana every turn to mill the opponent, to me, just seems like on your own turn, you're not going to be able to do a whole lot until you get into those mid and late game stages. If you're playing a deck with a lot of walls, it is possible that you could make it that far. But, you know, if at the same time, you're probably going to want to keep the Wall of Kelp and the Doorkeeper alive. So they're not going to be able to block as many creatures in the format as you might want them to. I could see this working actually pretty well against maybe something like Mono Black that has nothing but two, two creatures. But a lot of the other creatures in the format, like you mentioned, the Delver decks, mm-hmm. will be able to fly over. And the Affinity and Stompy will be able to attack into it. And I think White Weenie will probably be able to fly over as well. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to say just on paper. My apprehension is that I think there's too much mana being involved to activate these abilities. But the interaction does have some potential. And I agree with you that I think it might be pretty slow. Yeah. It really depends on how many guys you can get onto the field and if you can stabilize. So we will have to see. Though it's something to keep in mind. I think this will be a cool one to explore and and try out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll see if somebody can can get it working. It'd be an interesting deck. I mean, there already is a, a Turbo Fog Turbo Fog deck, and I think this would work something like that. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, what's good about these Defender cards is that they're in the colors that Turbo Fog is currently in already. And I don't know that this is part of Azorius. There does seem to be a bit of a Defender sub-theme in Return to Ravnica, which I'm not sure why that is, but um, it obviously it, it's good for limited play. But I don't know if it's directly related to any of the guilds or not. Yeah, the, the, there'll be some cards that, that seem to be you know kind of in between, kind of just, just, just there. Yeah. And I think uh, actually for, for example, for limited... Um, and, and this was something that was mentioned in the limited resources podcast. Uh, they're they're putting in some some cards that will work for a milling strategy once all the all the sets are out. Uh, but for that milling strategy to work with with all the three sets, they need to put some elements of the strategy into this set. So some cards sure. might seem a little out of place. That makes sense. Okay, so. Um, I don't think there's anything else in Azorius. Uh, being, you know, we're, we're discussing an eternal format, we can expect very few cards to actually stand out uh, considerably. 
uh, for classic popper. Uh, we might we we will have a few more things to say for standard popper, but for classic popper they'll be you know they'll be uh, far and few between. Okay, so let's have a look at some of the Selesnia cards. Uh, actually, this is the the guild color uh, combination that 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 uh, most kind of stood out to me. I, I see a lot of cards that I I can think could work with something. Um, in most cases, they'll probably still be too slow, and they'll just be enough for for a second tier deck. But uh, let's let's have a look at what what kind of potential is there. So the first thing is the keyword populate, right? So populate is you make a copy of a token that you control, and when that's stuck onto a, a reasonable effect, that could be quite useful because you're basically getting uh, a, a new creature plus some other effect. So let's look at some of those cards. Um, the first two that stand out to me and that I've, I've actually seen a couple of other articles talking about them. Uh, one I know you, you don't agree with much. That one's Eye in the Sky. Uh, so for four mana, you put a 1-1 one, one flying bird token and you populate. And the other one is Rootborn Defenses, which makes all your creatures indestructible and you populate. And that one's for two and a white. Um, so um, these are basically populate mechanic enablers. I think on their own, they're not going to do anything. The question is going to be, could they work with other existing strategies? So what's what's your opinion on these? Uh, well, I'm not really a fan of either of the cards. And I don't know that they work too well with pre-existing strategies. There is a Celestia Tokens or variations of Celestia Tokens decks that do show up. But uh, Eyes in the Skies, first of all, you know, on its own, it can make the two 1-1 one, one white bird creatures. Yeah. So it's basically a worse Midnight Haunting for Popper. <laughs> and really, I feel like the vast majority of tokens that are made in Popper are one ones anyway. So I don't really see much of a chance for this deck, or this card to kind of upgrade and get you much more value. But the biggest problem, I think, is the four mana price tag, which this format is not very friendly to four mana spells unless your deck is already wanting to uh, go into the late game, which I suppose the Selesnya Tokens deck does want to do that. Mm-hmm. But even that deck doesn't play many four drops. And this one, I don't I don't see too much of a reason to include it personally. But uh, I'm curious to hear what you might think in terms of where the card can go. And as far as the Rootborn defenses, I think that one's kind of expensive for what it does as well. There's already something like Prismatic Strands, which gives you a lot more range which you can do with the card. I guess the... Uh, the Rootborn Defenses does get you a guy as well. So you could think of it as uh, a flash creature for three and as well as a sort of protection for your team. But I, I just don't really see it personally. Um, could be a good combat trick, but I, it feels kind of narrow in it in what it would be, you know, really good at doing. So that's kind of my assessment of both cards. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally see your point. I'm I'm not very hopeful that, that they'll they'll get into any kind of deck. Uh, so, but, you know, I just wanted to give them the, the benefit of the doubt because they're, they're, they're relatively new and unique effects that we haven't really seen. Uh, well, you know, the, the whole populate uh, sure. thing. Now, 
Let's take a look at another aspect of populate, and that's kind of the more um, the the big big impact aspect. There's two cards in Popper that generate larger creatures. There's Corsair's Accord, which is a four white and green. Uh, okay, four four colors mana, one white, one green, to put a three three centaur token on the board and populate. So you're basically getting six points of power and toughness for six mana. Now that's expensive, but uh, I would put this into a, a ramp strategy, something like uh, the green cloud post uh, ramp uh, kind of strategy. And there's another card that's even more expensive that puts more power, and that's Horn Caller's Chant for seven colors mana and a green. It's eight total. You put a 4-4 uh, Rhino token with Trample, and you populate. So, I, like, obviously you have to compare that with uh, with the current cards that are used for that, which are uh, Ulamog's Crusher and uh, Stampeding Aurochs. Uh So how how would this compare to that in, in a similar deck? Because that's the kind of deck where I would see these going. Um, do you see any potential there? Uh, let me start with Corsair's Accord. It does seem kind of cool to to get six power for six mana across the two bodies, but I think the fact that it puts you in green and white, I don't know if that's going to be worth paying six for it. Because to me, the decks that are playing green and white don't really want to get up to six mana. Now, this could be in some kind of a new deck, but I don't know that it's good enough on its own to warrant creating a new deck around it. Though it's something you could look at for future applications, I think, because that is a pretty decent deal for classic popper. Though, like I said, I if I'm playing green white, I, I want most of my spells to be cheaper, like much cheaper than six. So with Horncaller's Chant, this guy I think is just way too expensive, especially compared to Orox Herd, which you just mentioned, which gets you a series of four fours for six, mm-hmm. thins out your deck, draws you cards, and those guys get better with multiples, and they have trample. So I think the the value there, again, with most of these cards, it's not so much that in and of themselves there's anything wrong with them. I just think that there are better options to consider before you would put it in your deck. Though the art is very cool. <laughs> and I'll just do a retroactive comment. I, I like the art on Eyes in the Skies because yeah. the two birds, they're, they're, they're hanging out there. And I, I feel like there should be a thought bubble in the art where the birds are just thinking to themselves, man, I really wish I was Squadron Hawk. But that's, that's <laughs> well, that, that, that card is basically two Squadron Hawks. Yeah, it's like half, half, yeah, half, exactly. half of a squadron. Of, or, yeah. But they have flash. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, those are my thoughts on these cards. They they are something. They are both cards that I looked at initially, but those are the issues I currently have with with playing them. Yeah. Okay. So the next one I want to talk about is um, is actually one that you mentioned in in one of your articles. All right. And that would be Ethereal Arbor. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm putting this one in Selesnya because the deck that I think it goes in is a white-green Auras deck, obviously. And I think you mentioned that as well. Or, it, well, I, mean, I guess it could go in something with blue, 
as well. But let's let's talk about this card. So it's for a single white, you get an aura that gives plus one plus one for each enchantment uh, that you could. Well, is it is it that you control? Yes. Yeah. For plus one plus one for each enchantment you control and for strike uh, to the creature that it enchants. So for a single white mana, that's uh, that's a lot of a lot of power, and that could work really well with the Aura's deck because uh, it's it's getting in there. It, uh, the, the cheapness can get around counter spells, and you know it makes it fast. So what what what, what were your ideas around this card? Well, I I agree with you. I really like that it has a very cheap price tag attached to it, and. One of the things about the auras decks is that most of the relevant auras are about three mana. And so that really clogs up the mana curve in, in a potentially harmful way. Whereas this card doesn't have that issue. And it's also one of the auras that's not a, a horrible top deck because you're probably going to have some enchantments already on the field, and this card only gets better the later the game goes. So it, it's really flexible. It's something you can lay down early, but it's going to also be good for you in the late game. Yeah, it's going to have a lot of um, uh, synergy with some of the land enchantments, uh, like, what was it, Abundant Growth? Sure. Uh, well, the, 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 the one from Avacyn Restored that, that gives you any kind of mana and it draws you a card. And yeah, all those, yeah. and and also with uh, things like Oblivion Ring and Journey to Nowhere, so it works with all those cards pretty well. Right, so you don't have to only play auras in your deck. You can play the uh, the Journey to Nowheres and Oblivion Rings, and this card pumps up off of itself as well. So it already gives a boost. Yeah, so it's it's not it's never gonna be you know just empty like uh, Ancestral Mask. Is that I believe yeah. that one gives you plus two, plus two for each other aura. So if it's the only one you have, it does nothing. <laughs> which, I mean, these these two cards are pretty comparable, and I'm not sure which one's going to end up being more effective. I think but, this but, one's better. Yeah, yeah uh, like I said in my article, which is on mtgoacademy.com, I, I feel like one of the issues with hexproof creatures, I mean, their main vulnerabilities is that they don't have any toughness, and they can sometimes not survive combat very well because they don't have any toughness. So uh, giving it first strike really helps out in the combat side of things. I mean, especially on something like Sacred Wolf. With this and Sacred Wolf, it just beats every other creature in combat at that point. Um, And then it also raises the toughness so that sweepers are less of an issue. So you, you have less of a chance of getting two-for-one, which is one of the, the vulnerabilities of the Aura's decks already. Yeah. So that's what I like about this card, and especially it's much cheaper than Ancestral Mask, so I will actually probably be playing this instead of Ancestral Mask in those kind of decks. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so this this one this one has a good chance of, of entering at least that uh, that Aura's deck. I'm, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, um, this is the best white card for yeah. uh, the set. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let's look at another card that could well, it could go into that deck. Uh, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure where this card goes, but it's very it's very powerful for for what it costs. And that's Centaur Healer. Uh, you're getting for one colorless, a green and a white. You're getting a three three, and you gain three life when it comes into play. Uh, it compares to Lone Missionary, which isn't seeing play that much anymore. But this one is so much more powerful. You gain more life. 
you have a 3-3 instead of a 2-1, and it's only really one more mana. Uh, it's just limited to being in green-white decks. Uh, so this card could definitely help uh, the, the slow uh, green-white mid-range decks to hold on against more aggressive decks. Uh, but I'm not sure exactly which decks would want to run it, because they'd have to take something out, obviously, as usual. Uh, what do you think of that card? Well, um, I'm actually not a fan of this card, but I think it's because I'm comparing it to a, another card that exists that I think would just be a better fit, and that's Avon Rift Watcher. Okay. So, yeah, it's also a three-mana cost guy, but you're getting a 2-3 flyer instead of a 3-3 on the ground. So I think they're both going to do similar things and that they can block the same type of creatures. This guy potentially, I, I think the trade-off is pretty similar, though. I think the flying might be a little more relevant. The Riftwasher does have the vanishing mechanic, which means it's going to go away eventually if you don't abuse it. Yeah. Uh, and it, it'll get you, on average, four life instead of three. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I was considering this card for was blinking mechanics, but the problem I, th- I feel is that in green, there's not a lot of cards that benefit from blinking mechanics. There's basically Nest's Invader and those, and Kozilek's Predator, those ones that give you Eldrazi spawn. And then anything else in green is pretty much going to tutor up a land. So the Borderland Ranger and Sylvan Ranger type cards. So I don't think it's worth going into green for the blinks. And then, um, per blink compared to Avon Rift Watcher, you're going to get four life with the Rift Watcher and only three with this guy. So, again, I don't think there's any issue with this guy on his own. He'll, he may even be, you know, pretty good in Standard Popper. Yeah, I think he will be very good in that one. Yeah, yeah uh, but I'm just not sure about Classic. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you, you make a great point. I, I hadn't even thought about uh, Avon Rift Watcher. So, yeah, you're totally right there. Uh, it does make more sense. I mean... Uh, he is more, uh, the Avon Rift Watcher will die in a couple of turns. I think it has two counters, right? Uh, but but yeah, the benefits you're gonna get from it are probably uh, better than than what you're gonna get from a three three ground vanilla guy. Okay, yeah, you've you've convinced me, Dime. I'm I see it now. I see the light. <laughs> okay, let's look at another Selesnia uh, Sel- card, and that is Sundering Growth. So that one destroys an artifact or enchantment and then populates. So that's strictly better, theoretically, than naturalize, at least in a, in a green-white deck, uh, because it, it populates. But, I mean, would, is it better than all the other options we have to destroy artifacts and enchantments? I'm not sure. I, I think it's, it's not. I, because all the, all the decks that currently create any kind of tokens, they only create one ones. So I'm thinking this one will not be substituting the current staples. What do you think? So for classic popper, I think this is probably will only see play in that Celestia tokens style deck because um, the other decks don't that would use it won't necessarily have a token on the battlefield. Yeah, maybe White Wing will with something like uh, Doom Traveler, but that's one of the only ones I can think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only cards that I think would would make use out of it. So it might not be worth it for the other decks to play it. And yeah, I think you brought up a really good point about 
some of the other options like lethal sabotage or revoke existence or divine offering and stuff. Yeah. Um, just to get more value. Uh, but I do want to note for people who play standard popper or are interested, this is actually one of the only options left for green and white to have a disenchant because scars is rotating out. So you lose revoke existence and divine offering. And I don't even know, you still have naturalized because they reprinted it, but um, I don't think white has anything else that hits artifacts and enchantments. So this is going to pretty much automatically go into your sideboard. So that's uh, something to keep in mind. Even if you can't use the populate, you're still going to probably want this card. Well, there, uh, there is also the Attendant Knight, is it called? The one that brings a little 1-1 one, one Squire? Oh, yeah. That guy as well can benefit from the Populate. Yeah. I mean, it's a very small advantage, but, but in Standard Popper, it'll probably be more uh, relevant, definitely. Yeah, I mean, we already like Core Sanctifiers in Classic, which gets you a guy um, and blows something up at Sorcery Speed for 4. So having a Flash 1-1 one, one for 2 is probably going to feel pretty good uh, whenever you can take advantage of it. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's look at another uh, green-white card. Uh, this one is called Common Bond. Uh, for one colorless, well, a white and a green, you get to put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature twice. So you can put both counters on the same creature or put one on one creature, one on another. And it's instant. And... So I see it as basically half of a travel preparations, but at instant speed. And I think that could be very relevant, but I'm not sure if it would actually fit any of the strategies that currently use travel preparations, which aren't really that many. I think um, we're basically looking at the green-white uh, efficient creatures deck. Uh, mm-hmm. The one we were basically talking about in, in our green-white auras yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, that's where it could go. But the question is, is it better than something like child preparations or something like the, the, the one that gives you plus one, plus one counter or plus three, well, three plus one, plus one counters if, if there's more of it. Yeah. Hunger what, of the Howl Pact. Hunger of the Howl Pact. That's yeah. the one. I so where do you see this card? Well, I'm not really seeing it in many places. I, I think child preparations is going to be better than this guy. And, um, Again, green-white is so, so flooded at three that uh, the other threes, like Armadillo Cloak and stuff, I think are just going to be better than this. But this card is making me think, along with the Centaur guy, that Standard Popper might have a really good uh, green-white mid-range deck that just goes over the top of all the other creature decks. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if this will go in that because you still have travel preparations legal. But it could go in that as an extra or maybe just as a combat trick. I, I'm not sure. I don't really see this going anywhere. Mm. But I I really love the art, and I like the art on a lot of these cards, by yeah. the way. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the, the, the production values of Magic is getting better and better. All yeah, it really is. Yeah. And you mentioned something that made me uh, think of something about Standard Popper, and that is that you know how... Uh, Standard Popper is going to be very influenced on the limited metagame. Well, mm. with uh, with Return to Ravnica, limited is going to be you know going towards the guilds. So sure. you can you can be I, I I pretty much guarantee you that each of the guild colors will represent an important archetype 
uh, in standard popper over the next, at least over the next year. Sure. Yeah. So we'll, we'll probably see, you know, things just revolving around each of the guilds and getting better as, uh, as the cards come in. Yeah. And I think one of the benefits of playing mid range and standard popper is that I don't think there's many decks that'll punish you like, like classic, where if you tried to play mid range in classic, you're going to probably have a lot of problems with cloud posts and stuff like that because their late game is just going to be more powerful than what you can do, which is this kind of the same effect you're going to have on the smaller creature decks. But, but in standard popper, I don't think there's going to be much better late game than, you know, putting travel preps and common bonds on, on big lifelink creatures like Seraph of Dawn and stuff. So, I mean, that's kind of the direction that I I wanted to go with uh, Standard Popper, mm-hmm. and now I think it's even more viable that some of the other decks have, are being uh, powered down. So I think Green White has a lot of potential in that format. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I love a good a good mid range deck. Um, I just thought of a, a question I'd like to ask you. Did you were you playing when the original Ravnica came out? No, not at all. No. So here's something. When, when the original Ravnica came out, and for that matter, when Invasion, the Invasion uh, block came out, I always felt that all the gold cards were overpowered. Like, I always felt <laughs> yeah. that. Like, they, they were like, wow, we're getting sure. this huge creature for such little mana. Mm-hmm. I don't actually feel that <laughs> with Return to Ravnica. Now, that's not a bad thing. I'm not one of those people right. who are like, oh, wizards. You're so you're so silly. Do not use another word. Uh, <laughs> why aren't you giving? Why are you giving me such weak creatures? I don't mind that because I know it's part of the design, and that the, the more balanced the set is, the better. Not the more powerful, right? But I do feel, especially when when comparing the the block to the cards you get in in classic popper, you know, an eternal format, that that especially at common. Things feel underpowered, especially if you compare it to the original Ravnica and Invasion. I, I don't see any cards, or at least common, that really say, wow, this is, this is so powerful, more powerful than anything I've seen before. I just don't see anything like that. Do you feel that way? Uh, I actually totally agree with you. Uh, it hadn't occurred to me that that same feeling I got from the Ravnica cards, and even I want to include the some of the Lorwyn cards where they had the hybrid mana cost. A lot of those cards as well seem to be uh, pushing the – not I don't want to say power creep, but pushing – they're a little bit ahead of the curve or something like that. Yeah. A bit uh, aggressively costed, I guess you could say. Yeah. But I, I totally agree with you that I think it's actually a good thing that they, they didn't force that with this set because – some of those cards do really feel like power creep. I don't want to see too much power creep happening with creatures because I think we've been getting a lot of that lately. Maybe not so much in classic popper, even though, though we have been getting it a bit. Uh, I, I, I'm glad they're toning it down for at least this set. Who knows? I mean, we still have two more sets left in this block. They might save the best for last yeah. and really go crazy. Well, I mean, in terms of popper... Uh, I always find that the creature decks are kind of second tier, except maybe White Weenie, which is, oh, and Stompy. They're both Stompy. giving the, the, the blue decks, you know, a run for their mm-hmm. money. But sure. it's the blue decks that are on top, you know, the, 
the, the mm. control uh, Delver deck, which I, I, I don't know why Blue keeps getting these efficient creatures, <laughs> efficient cheap creatures, and obviously Storm and, and Cloud Post. So the creature decks do need a little bit more of a push, but I mean the way the way Cloud Post and Storm work, I don't think you can make a. You'd have to make a really really powerful and very cheap creature to mm. make a, a difference. I think you actually need to you need more spells to combat their their strategy. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, and that, that actually makes me think about something I didn't think about before, which is the fact that Post and Storm, they've really kind of risen to the top of the popper format. And it, it's kind of because their decks don't even really care about opposing creature strategies. The Post decks interact very well with them because they have a ton of life gain and removal, yeah. and they eventually get creatures like the Mnemonic Wall and Crusher that can just stop the opponent from attacking. And they draw way more cards and stuff, so they have more resources overall. And then the Storm deck doesn't care because it's just going to use its life total as a resource and uh, generate enough time to combo off and win the game immediately. So yeah. I think that's what invalidates those creature strategies. Um, when they have to face these these very powerful non creature oriented decks yeah well we'll we'll see what what else we we can get anyway let's move on um so here I want to talk about a card that you mentioned in your article, which you you were kind of defensive about it because i I don't think you're convinced that it's actually going to make it, but that's chorus of might uh so for three and a green, you give plus one plus one. For each creature you control to a single creature, and you give it trample. Um, and I think I basically agree with what you said, and at the end of the day, it seems very expensive uh, to work in any of our current strategies. But but I would like to hear like from you why 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 it uh why it spoke to you. Uh well mainly because of the word trample. <laughs> it definitely spoke to me because of that. Um I don't know. I think I've been looking for a reason to play Elves, which is a more of a fringe deck in this format. But I, I do like Elves-based strategies because they generate a lot of mana, and they, they're, they're pretty synergistic. Like, the, the classic Popper Elves does a lot of cool things with Nettle Sentinel when you use cards like Birch Lord Rangers and stuff. And it draws so many cards with Distant Melody that you can repeatedly tap and untap the Nettle Sentinels. And I felt like having something that is more of a concrete win condition in that deck would really help it. Because it does have some cards that pump up a creature based on how many elves you have. And I thought maybe something like this would give it a little bit more oomph in in terms of closing out a game. So let me just say quickly my reason for why I think this one wouldn't make the cut. And that's because the elves have a card that's, I think, for one green mana, you give plus one, plus one to all your creatures for all the elves you control. Well, to one creature for all the elves you control. I can't remember the name, but it's used in that deck. And um, and if you have a lot of creatures, then I think it's there's a high chance of at least one getting through. So you put the, the plus one, plus one on that one, and then the trample doesn't matter that much. So that's how I see it. Yeah, I agree with you. And another thing is, let's say you had Chorus of Might in your deck and you wanted to cast it. Sometimes you won't have enough lands in play, and so you actually have to leave some elves back already. And 
that just is going to make your combat worse because you can't attack with everybody. Whereas if you could have attacked with everybody, you probably, like you said, wouldn't have needed the trample to begin with. <laughs> so for four mana, it's probably not going to do a whole lot. There's some red cards you could play um, because you have in the elves deck specifically, you have Birchlore Rangers and you have Sylvan Ranger to tutor up another color. Mm -hmm. uh, you could play something like, I think it's called Mob Justice. and They have other cards that they are basically burn spells based on how many guys you have on the board. So there's other options yeah. uh, that are probably cheaper and, and just better than this one. Yeah, for sure. But this does look like a Selesnya card because of the headpiece that she's wearing. I think that's sort of like the guild logo or something. Yeah. And, I mean, it, anything that depends on having lots of creatures, it's definitely Zelesnia, at least in, in in Ravnica. That makes sense. Okay, so let's go into the last Zelesnia card that I want to talk about, and that's Druid's Deliverance. And this one prevents combat damage dealt to you and populates. And it costs a single white mana, and, I mean, a single colorless oh. mana, and a green. This is the kind of card that could also help the Turbo Fog strategy that uses Wall of Kelp. This seems to be a card made exactly for that particular strategy because it stops combat uh, damage, so it's, it's slowing down your aggro decks, and it's giving you one extra little wall uh, token. So if, if this card sees any play, it's going to be in that deck. I don't think it would, it would work anywhere else. It is, however, interesting that it's not a, a full fog. It's only preventing combat damage dealt to you, which mm -hmm. means that you can control the damage dealt to other creatures. So I, I haven't seen a, a, a fog that works exactly this way. You can say, well, I'm going to block this one where I can, I can win the combat, but everything else gets through and it just won't deal damage. Yeah, this seems really nasty as a limited card. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know how, how, how strong it will be in limited. But yeah. it's it's better than just your normal fog. Sure. Yeah, I agree with you uh, in your assessment. Sometimes this is only going to be a fog because uh, not having the wall of kelp out and activated will mean that there's probably not other tokens that that'll be in that mill deck. But it's probably still fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it. I really don't know how many fogs they they need to play. So it'll depend if they they have extra room for it. Also, yeah. Well, I think like in in that deck, it would be better than fog itself. So they just take out fog, put this in, even though it costs one more mana. Okay, um, let's have a look at some some other green cards that could work in slightly different strategies. Well, here's some green cards that could work in that strategy, and that would be Axbane Guardian, uh, which is an O3 defender that uh, when you tap it, you add X mana of any color, where X is uh, the number of defender creatures you control. So, yeah. but this one costs two mana and two colorless mana and one green. Um, I see, I can see this joining overgrown battlement. Yeah. yeah. So I can see this card kind of helping that card, uh, in, in that particular deck. And I can see both of them going into the, the other, the blue deck the, with the turbo, uh, the, the mill strategy. And between the two of them, you generate a lot of mana. So that would help with uh, the, the problems you were mentioning about needing needing mana to get your mill going. True. Um, 
I just want to make a quick note that it's actually with this card, it's X mana in any combination of colors. So it's not, it doesn't all have to be one certain color. You can, you could add white, blue, black, red, green if you wanted to or whatever. Yeah. So that's, that makes it very good for multicolored decks. Yeah. I think the, the issue though, well, a couple issues is that an O3 body can only block so many things and it, also can die to more things. It's not a terrible body, but for three mana, it, it kind of is. Yeah. Um, and then the, there's some tension with these defender creatures that have these mana abilities. I think this guy could go okay with doorkeeper since both of those, um, since both of those are abilities you can use at instant speed. Mm-hmm. But let's say in the ramp decks, a lot of the times, you'll want to tap these guys to ramp up to something on your main phase. And then the whole fact that they're defending walls kind of is less effective because now they're not blocking stuff. But, you know, this is definitely a card I looked at a lot and could maybe still see play. But I think uh, I'm a little more on the side of he probably won't be in classic popper. Though standard popper, who knows? He could actually do some work there. It seems like the colors in Standard Pop are going to be a lot easier to fix, but I could be wrong about that. And then the other thing is I don't know a lot of the things you want to do with multiple colors. Obviously, with a ramp deck, you could use this guy to do a fireball or something, yeah. but I don't see anything else that having the extra colors really helps you with. I mean, obviously, fixing a little bit, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's like another, another card that, has a similar-ish effect, and that would be Gate Creeper Vine. Uh, that one's cheaper; it only costs one and a green, but it's a zero-two, and and it has uh, Defender. But when it comes into play, it lets you grab any any basic land or any gate. And so the gates will will go into deeper. We've discussed them in previous episodes, and we'll discuss them a little deeper. Uh, once we finish all the colors, but the gates are the, the, the dual lands for Popper that uh, they come into play tapped, but they give you one of two types of, of colored mana. Um, and there's at least two or three other common cards in the set that get better when you have a gate in play. So this card, um, it could see some play in a gate dependent strategy. I don't, I don't see it really seeing play in, in, in anything else. Um, but, may, well, maybe when we talk about a couple of other cards, uh, I, I can convince you. Uh, do you see the gate strategy working out at all, Diane, in, in Classic Popper? In Standard Popper, I think it's going to be a different, a different story altogether, by the way. But in Classic Popper, do you see anything, or is it just too clunky? Mm, I don't see anything, but I think it's mostly because I don't know of any other cards besides the Jailbreaker that care about gates at common. I'm sure there's a couple more, right? Am I just, I'm just, there's, there's the, there's a white card. It's a two five and he gets vigilance. Vigilance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But he's too expensive. He costs five mana. And I think that's it. Yeah, so I don't really see a gate strategy showing up right now. We'll have to wait for the other sets, because even with the next one called Gate Crash, there's <laughs> going to be five new gates, presumably, that we're, we get access to. Yeah, and I assume there's going to be a, a few more, like another three, maybe, gate-dependent cards. 
Yeah. But so let's let's talk about that card you just mentioned, the Ogre Jailbreaker. Or yeah, uh, he's okay. a he's a four four for for four mana, uh, three colorless and one black, and he's got Defender unless you control a gate. So the reason why I I, I wanted to talk about him is because four four for four is is relatively big even in Popper. Uh, and with the gates coming in, there's always the the chance of having better multicolored mid a mid range multicolored strategy. So I wanna I wanna give it uh, I guess the benefit of the doubt of of a of a mid range mid range strategy forming forming up uh, that maybe might have three colors. So you'd have eight guild gates, and you might put uh, gate creeper vine into it, so you can get. Uh, there's another way of getting more gates. And then you'd have a card like the Ogre Jailbreaker, uh, helping you, you know, either beat down or defend for relatively cheap. But then I think that, yes, four mana is a lot, even if it's a four four and it doesn't have any kind of way to stop, cre- uh, you know, removal spells from just destroying it. It doesn't have card advantage. It's just relatively efficient. Uh, but relatively efficient at four mana is still inefficient in popper in classic popper so i assume that's that's why you just don't see any <laughs> any chance for that one to live yeah I, i'm siding more with your the negative side that you you have with this card and you know if you pair this with the gate creeper vines that, that puts you in green mm-hmm. and i think with green you could just get, be playing better creatures overall i think even blastoderm would do better than this guy. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too excited about this this guy at the moment. Yeah, yeah, you bring a, a great point, right? One of the things about classic popper is you you have to compare them to what already exists. Right. And it's it's nice to see cards on their own and think, oh, this is pretty awesome, right? But then you're thinking more about standard, more about the, the creatures that surround it, and then when you really compare it with everything that's been printed in the last. 20 years or so, you, yeah. you, you realize it's just it's just weak. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on. Let's let's um, let's have a look at some Golgari cards that Ooh. that could see some play. Uh, the first one I think will see play. That would be Grizzly Salvage, uh, which for a green and a black mana lets you reveal five cards, and you can put any creature or land card of these into your hand, and the rest go into your green. And you mentioned this one in your article, and I think some of the things you said is that you know it's 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 awesome card search or card filtering, so you're you're gonna find what you're looking for very likely, and it has great synergy with with uh, tortured existence strategies, where where you can just dump a bunch of stuff into your graveyard and then reuse it later on, right? Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, I'm not sure. If Tortured Existence is the best deck to use this in, I think it would be certainly a good one to use it in. But there might be some of the other graveyard strategies that it would be better with. Uh, getting to see five cards is is quite good. And if you build your deck properly, you'll be able to hit with this card pretty much every time, as well as... Well, I'm, I'm not really a math guy, but I'm pretty sure you could also be able to put things in your graveyard that you could get value out of. And I like the flexibility that you can 
get either a creature or a land because a lot of the creatures already have dredge. So sometimes you can just bin them and grab a land if you want to. I'm starting to think that maybe the green black costs might be a, a little harder to, to use this card early, but I'm not sure about that. It, I mean, you know, staying in a two color deck, you could still probably swing it a lot of the times within your first, let's say four turns or so. Mm-hmm. So I think it still will be fine. To me, this is the most exciting multicolor card. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious to see, I, like, this is one of the cards I'm most uh, curious to work with and try and, and make it work and have a deck build around it. Cause there's already been uh, a, multiple graveyard strategies in green black so i think this one definitely can see some play in the future so uh, can you mention some of those uh, strategies that you're thinking of okay yeah there's another graveyard deck that uses the songs of the damned and i think it's usually in jund colors green black and red Mm -hmm. where it cycles a lot of creatures and then uses Songs of the Damned, which I would think it's a sorcery. That, that's the one that gives you one black mana for each creature in your graveyard, right? Yeah, so I think that what it wants to do is use Songs of the Damned in conjunction with Crypt Rats as part of a win condition, and it uses a lot of recursion creatures. I probably, um, I don't think, I don't know that it plays Grave Scrabbler, but it plays the 2 1 guy. The one that just returns one creature card if you have more than a bunch of creatures in your graveyard, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it uses a lot of cycling creatures. Yeah, exactly. Start throwing them there. Yeah. So early in the game, you can cycle them for one or two mana, and then later in the game, if you draw them, you can, or if you recur them, you can just play them for like five mana or whatever yeah. after you wipe the opponent's board. <laughs> so I think you could go into that. And then uh, there could be some sort of green-black well, cr- more creature-based strategy with Wild Mongrel and Vampire Hounds and stuff like that, that this could also go into. Okay. Yeah, well, that that sounds like the, the green-black Tortured Existence. Thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think Tortured Existence would work in that one as well. But yeah, so, but just in general, it does have potential, right, for for Classic Popper. That's yeah. one of the, the few actual real picks. That, that will most likely see some play. Cool. Okay, so I think that's about it for Golgari. Uh, uh, Golgari has some really interesting cards, but none of them are, are really strong enough to even to even spike my interest <laughs> <laughs> thinking that they might see some play. Now let's have a look at some, well, one card in Rakdos. And this one... It might not be the best, but I think it might have a place in something in, in an aggressive black strategy. It's Dead Reveler I'm talking about. So for two and a black, you get a two-three guy with Unleash. And what does Unleash do? It lets you have the option of putting a plus one plus one counter on the creature when you put it into play, and it just loses the ability to block. But that would make Dead Reveler a three-four for three mana. And I think that's pretty aggressive uh, for, well, certainly for black, uh, for any color, really, at three mana, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's certainly aggressive for black in particular because, like I said earlier, they, their decks are usually all 2-2 two, two creatures. Mm-hmm. But, well, the 2-2 two, two creatures, that's more like in mono-black control. Now, here sure. I'm thinking something something more aggressive, something like okay. uh, the, the suicide black so okay. this would actually be the high end of Suicide Black. 
You could even get it in in the first turn with a dark <laughs> ritual. That's actually pretty. That, that, that's pretty enticing. Yeah, you know, three four on the first turn. That's that's pretty cool, right? Uh, yeah, that's unprecedented. Uh, I mean, they can kill it with a, a single <laughs> flame slash. Yeah, with anything, and you've just lost two cards. But that's what Suicide Black is about, right? Just yeah, <laughs> good point. Just getting in there. So I mean. It might, it might work. It might not. There was a card in Navison Restored that was like a 3-2 for 3, and when it dies, everyone loses life, and I thought that might see some play. But the problem is, uh, Suicide Black isn't really a deck right now, right? It's, it's a, it's a second tier deck, and it's not a very strong one at that. Not, not popular at all. So, it, I mean, I, there's not a high chance of it seeing play, but I think this card could definitely go there. But not in Mono Black Control. Not there. <laughs> Wouldn't work there. Not really that their strategy. Yeah, I think the reason that I'm not too excited about this card, and trust me, I really want to be. So if it turns out being good, then I won't, you know, I wouldn't be disappointed at all. But I think that having it be a three-four, a big benefit of that would be the potential to keep your opponent from attacking you. But this guy doesn't doesn't get to do that. So you know, in a suicide black strategy, that's probably not uh, too much of a drawback. But when you compare them to maybe Razor Golem or some other kind of four toughness guy, those cards are really good because they make your usually they make your opponent unable to attack you very well. Mm-hmm. So that's the part of this card that I wish. Well, I mean, obviously they they can only make it so powerful, but I wish that he had some kind of way to keep the opponent at bay from attacking you. In Suicide Black, I'm not sure. Maybe he would be pretty good, but I, I, I think I have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see if it if it if it does anything. But um, oh, and so actually, something I forgot to ask you about, and probably be, just because it doesn't even come up, uh, the Golgari keyword is uh, scavenge. Yeah. And I think none of the creatures that have scavenge are on par with the power level of what Classic Popper is, which is why I, I, I didn't even ask you before. Um, what do you think of it as a, as, a, as a keyword, as an ability in terms of, of Classic Popper? Do you think it, it could have any kind of potential? Yes. I think it's a cool ability. Um, it, it's another way for players to get value out of their creatures after they, they've hit the bin. Uh, but I think most of these ones are just too expensive. Like a lot of the times, even their converted mana cost is too expensive, but the scavenge usually is even more. Yeah. Um, the one I was looking at, surprisingly, because I've been talking about how the cards are, a lot of these cards are, cost too much. The one I was looking at is the Terrace Worm, which it costs seven. It's yeah. colorless black for a 5-5 five five and scavenge for 7. So I was thinking maybe he could go into blue-black post as a big creature, and then later on you can make something like your Mold Drifter become a 7-7 seven seven and flying and just kill your opponent in like two hits or something. But uh, I think for the mana, it's probably still too expensive to see play. Though... Later on, maybe I'll change my mind. Yeah. Well, you, you would think that a keyword like that would have a place in Popper because it has card advantage built into it. Right. right. You get a creature, and then you get an effect, a, uh, a relevant effect. The problem mm-hmm. is, uh, and 
probably because this is a very powerful combination, you know, card advantage, uh, they had to make the scavenge costs, costs sure. very expensive. Right? Even the cheapest scavenge, which would pro- at common, would probably be this little scorpion that costs four for a two two, right. and then the, the scavenge is like just three mana. Uh, that's just too weak for and too slow for for popper for classic popper. Anyway, okay. And what about the Rakdos keyword unleash? Uh, I think well in both cases. They're going to make a, a mark in standard popper, of course. But for classic, uh, I mean, Dead, Dead Reveler was really the only card that I could think of. There are some other red cards that are that are aggressive, uh, but not not aggressive enough. Right. I, I totally agree with you. Um, they could make it into standard popper, though. I don't know if Scavenge will, though. I'm not sure about that. It might still be... Like, we'll have to see what kind of decks come out, but I think it still might be a little too... Little too slow, huh? Too yeah. slow to do anything. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a slow, a slower format. Yeah, for so sure. It could work. Okay, let's go on to is it that houses the that's for last, huh? Yeah, houses the, the the standout card of this expansion. It's the card that's gonna substitute a similar card to it that, and it's the card that you will definitely see in the dailies, and that is electric. Do you want to talk about this card, Dime? I want you, I, I'm going to leave you the honor of, of <laughs> discussing this amazing card. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got Electricery. To me, this is the best card that that's going to impact Classic Popper because it already has multiple homes, and it's so much better than the cards that came before it. So I'm going to read what it does first of all. So Electricity costs red. It's an instant, and... The text reads, Electricery deals one damage to target creature you don't control. Okay, now, if you haven't seen this card before, you're wondering why the hell is this, is that the best uh, card in the set? <laughs> well, let me tell you, it has this new mechanic called Overload, which is the Is It Guild mechanic. And this one has Overload, one colorless, one red. So converted mana costs two. And Overload, it reads... You may cast this spell for its overload cost. If you do, change its text by replacing all instances of target with each. So that means that any of these cards that with overload are going to target a, a creature or permanent or whatever. But when you use the over, you pay the overload cost to cast it. You instead do the effect to all permanents of that type. So instead of dealing one damage to target creature. What you don't control, you, you're going to deal one damage to each creature you don't control. So this makes this card um, a much better sweeper than Seismic Shudder or any of the Reign of Embers, any of those ones, because, first of all, it's hitting every creature, whether they fly, whether they're on the ground, and it's not hitting any of your creatures. So it's a one-sided situational sweeper. That's going to be very devastating for a lot of creatures in the format. Um, the creatures in White Weenie, like War Falcon and Squadron Hawk, are all going down in flames. The, the fairies, the Delvers of Secrets that don't flip, they're all going down in flames. And all the Empty the Warrens tokens are going down. Yeah. So this, like Gabo said, is immediately going to go into almost any red sideboard, maybe with the exception of Affinity, um, 
goblins can play this in in their sideboard to deal with Storm and also to deal with other creature decks and obviously the big bad wolf of classic popper, Blue Red Post, can mm-hmm. put this in their sideboard. They can put it in their main board and tutor it with mystical teachings and that gives them a really good weapon against uh, pretty much all the decks I mentioned. And, and any other small creature decks can be, can be hit pretty hard with this. Even as a two-for-one, this is, this is an effective card. It's an, that makes it like an instant speed arc trail. And if you really need to, you can just use this for its uh, non-overload cost just as a removal spell, and that's perfectly fine too. Uh, so those are just some of the reasons I think this is good. Also, you can bring this card back from the graveyard with stuff like uh, Mnemonic Wall. So I think this card is going to be really effective for what it does and already impacts the metagame because it, it has applications both in existing decks and against existing decks. So I think the trickery is going to be in full effect once this uh, set comes online. Yeah, this is going to be the go-to card. And I think you've you've mentioned it all. Yeah, uh, uh, I think it's going to be in a lot of main main decks because it's it's useful against a lot of the decks in the well, no, maybe not a lot of main main decks, but definitely in the main deck of of Cloudpost. Uh, and it's going to be in all the sideboards. And I think even Affinity would use it. What, what, why don't you think Affinity would? Oh, I don't know. Maybe they will. Um, it's just because uh, they typically were using the. Clark Clan Shaman before. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. They do have that option. I, I was trying to think of what other option they had. And, yeah, that, that's that's a great... This, this might even be better than that when you think about it because now it doesn't... They don't have to worry about hitting any of their own Disciples or Frogmites and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the only the only advantage that the Clark Clark Shaman has is that it can get rid of certain things that might regenerate and it can get rid of oh, bigger things, right? So, I mean, yeah, it's still, it's still, it's, it's not strictly better than that one. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so we've got that one out of the way. Uh, I think every every other uh, set review that's out there uh, has this as their their best card. Okay. And so I think we all we all agree. <laughs> so I, so up to now, what what have we seen? Electricery and maybe Grizzly Salvage. Uh, as uh-huh. as really anything. Oh, and maybe um, ethereal armor. Uh, though yeah. that one would go into a deck that isn't one of the top tier decks, True. so it, it might not see as much as much play. All right, let's look at a couple more cards, and then we'll be and and then we'll be over with the colored cards in for classic popper. So the next one I want to talk about is Goblin Electromancer. Sure. So he's a two-two for a blue and a red, and. His, his ability is basically that instants and sorceries cost one colorless mana less. Um, and this, yeah, blue and red are the most popular colors, or the strongest colors in Classic Popper, for sure. And there is a deck that, that where this could go right in, and that's the blue-red Kill Fiend and the, the little Dragonauts. Deck yeah. that has uh, these two creatures that just get bigger when you cast sorceries and instants. So I think this this card would go quite well there. It might even help Cloud Post, uh, you know, just make things cheaper and have a little body in there. Uh, and maybe maybe there might be a new kind of deck that just takes advantage of it in a better way. Uh, 
maybe even a, a storm variant uh, that uses that to to greater force. What do you think, Diane? This guy I'm really curious about because I'm not sure, kind of like you, I'm not sure exactly where he could go in, in the best capacity. And I Just really quickly, I just want to make a brief note for the listeners that it, this is only going to impact these instant and sorceries that you cast. So it doesn't make everyone's spells cheaper. So that is actually pretty good. Yeah. If, if there's some kind of goblin, electromancer, mirror match <laughs> at some point, <laughs> yeah. Uh, It'll make your spells cheaper than the opponents, which I think will be pretty good. So, um, I, you know, originally I did think he would go good in that Kiln Fiend deck, but I, I recently was starting to put one of them together based off the daily list, and I'm not sure that they really play many instants and sorceries with co- many colorless in the casting costs. Like a lot of the spells, I'll have to look at more lists, but a lot of the spells are just cost blue or red. But it does make the Apostle's Blessing only costs uh, the Phyrexian, and I'm sure there's some more that it makes cheaper. But it also gives you the body, the 2-2 guy, so he can always, I mean, you always have the option of attacking. Yeah. The, the main applications I've been thinking about just haven't been too exciting. Like, for instance, maybe in a Cloud Post Mirror, if you were able to resolve, like, one or two of these, you could, first of all, you could attack sometimes in the early game. But then also you could have a, an edge with counterspell wars. Your cap sizes could be cheaper. Mm-hmm. And so same with your land destruction. So you could start to get small advantages that sort of start to snowball and help you get a, a really more powerful late game. Um, and I think in Storm, he could make it into some of the Storm decks. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll have to see. But it would be cool if there was a new deck with him as well that took advantage. I'm just not... Again, I, I keep saying I'm not sure, but uh, we'll have to see how powerful yeah. his uh, his ability is and what spells go well with being cheaper. I mean, we've seen with the familiar Storm decks that having those cheap blue spells can be very good. So um, it, time will tell, I think. Yeah, and and by by Storm, I'm I'm actually I'm thinking about a familiar Storm type deck, okay. not sure. not yeah, the the empty the worms type. Because he would really go better in in something that's kind of slower to yeah. you know set up and then just yeah. explode. Yeah, I think you're totally right about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that's about it for colored cards. Let's let's discuss the gates for a bit. Um, sure. So we mentioned that the gates are the these dual lands. They come into play tapped, and they can give you a color of of one of two colors that that the, their the guild represents. Um, so what are your thoughts on, on, on these gates now that we've seen the whole, uh, Ravnica return to Ravnica list? Uh, do you think they will, they will be making a, a, a splash on classic popper? Most people I've talked to seem to think that they will. There are some people who think that they're just not efficient enough that, that it just won't affect the beta game. I get the feeling that, you know, we're, we're going to see some people at least trying to experiment with some mid-range or slightly aggressive multicolored decks. How do you see things going? Well, I see them seeing play. I don't think that it's going to completely revolutionize the format in the sense that everyone's going to be playing three-color or more decks or anything like that. But I think that they're, they have a good spot in this format. Um, going into a mid-range direction, 
I think I am a little too undecided on how that will work because the early game is very critical to a lot of decks in uh, Classic Popper. Classic Popper is basically split up into two kinds of decks, and the first kind really has something to do in the early game. It starts to establish what it wants early, and some of those decks will win immediately, like Infect and Storm, but other ones, they just, they'll just do something really um, fundamentally important in the early games, like play Delver of Secrets or um, play Nettle Sentinel and Rancor or whatever. So um, going into that mid-range direction could be a little dangerous because you're not allowing yourself to do that. Uh, the other types of decks that exist are the ones like Cloud Post, Mono Black Control, and Tortured, where they, they don't do anything devastating in the first two turns, but what they're really doing is get, they're going to beat you in the late game. They, they're going to survive long enough to the point where they have some sort of late game uh, powerful thing to do and, and take you out. I guess Mono Black actually does do uh, quite a bit early because it's disrupting the opponent. Yeah. Um, so these gates, I'm not, I'm not convinced that they're going to have a huge impact, but I do think that particularly the blue-red one and the green-white one, I think those will will make it in for sure and, and see probably see the most play out of these. Mm-hmm. And once we get all of them, all 10 of them, we'll really start to see um, how big of an impact they're going to have and how many multicolor decks we can see. I could I could definitely see some more three-color decks showing up because there there are a few right now. Even, even Post is technically a three-color deck because it does play the teachings flashback and the Ancient Grudge, usually in the sideboard. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there's the Esper Familiar Storm that you mentioned. So I, I think we could see a little bit more uh, from Three Color in the future. But I, I don't think these are going to change the whole landscape of the format. Yeah. But they're awesome. I think it's really cool, especially because people wanted this kind of land to appear, and now we've got them. And they yeah. are, the art on these are amazing. and They're really cool. I'm just looking at it right now. And I think it's going to be pretty sick. So, so what are your thoughts? I, I see. I would like to hear other people's thoughts because I've been thinking about these so much on my own. <laughs> and there's been varying opinions, don't you think? I feel like a lot of people are saying they're not going to do anything, and then some people are thinking that they're going to be all over the place. So I think I'm more in the middle. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, I was I was trying to think. Well, for starters, would would some of the existing multicolor decks use them? Or would would Cloudpost use them? Um, maybe not because it ha- already has enough mana fixing and it needs those untapped islands and untapped, uh, mountains to get to, to do things in the early game. And it already has enough trouble with the tapped cloud post coming. Right. So how about something like the, the kill fiend and, uh, the blue red kill fiend deck, mm-hmm. um, they, they might see some play there. I, I, I could definitely see it. I think those put in one or two of the Karoo lands, which for that kind of deck is actually worse because sure. they're they're very dependent on you having a land already and they slow you down a little bit more, even though they give you a, a tiny bit of card advantage. Um, also, on what other multicolored decks, like the, the Tortured Existence ones, yeah. the, the green-black or the black-red, both of which are getting guild gates with this, this expansion... Mm-hmm. I think they would go well there. They they're not in such a hurry, and getting some some mana uh, filtering is good for them. So I think they'll they'll see play there. 
Um, I don't know about. I don't think Familiar Storm would use them because they right. already have the Karoo lands and they need those. They're, those are a, an integral part of the strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So they, they wouldn't put them there. Uh, though that one's a slow enough deck where they might add one or two instead of a, a basic land and it wouldn't hurt them that much. I'm not sure. I, I guess it would because they already have the Karoos and those are slow enough, right? And the, uh, well, you mentioned green white. So you've got the, the tokens deck, the auras decks. Those already use, uh, things like, uh, the, the sack lands, right? And these are better than the sack lands for two color deck. So sure. I think you will see them played there for sure. Um, and that's about it. I mean, maybe, uh, with the, when the white black one comes in, Orsov will, will, will get a boost, you know, mm-hmm. those, uh, black white control decks. Um, also when the Demir, uh, uh, yeah. guild comes in, that'll boost the, the blue black control deck that's, that's kind of going around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think it will work with some of these mid-range decks, some of the control strategies that don't already depend on on other types of specific lands. Uh, by that, I'm, I'm basically saying, yes, they will see some play for mm-hmm. some of the decks. The question is, will they enable, will they strengthen uh, new decks that, that otherwise can't do anything? For example, the, the Cloud Slap deck, uh, the red-green <laughs> deck. That, that one's died away. I haven't seen it, that one played at all recently it would go quite well in that deck and maybe it'll give it uh, some more consistency uh, some some reduce some of its mana troubles and and make it a a contender again you know that that's the kind of thing i'm hoping for really that it will boost these multicolored strategies yeah and it'll be interesting to uh see how long or how relevant this wait period is between now and the next set where we only have half of these gates and the other half, maybe it causes some other color combinations to diminish, even though I think most of those color combinations don't see play other than blue black. So maybe it won't be as, as relevant. Yeah. I, I'd be interested to see if blue green becomes anything because right. Well, right now there is a blue green kind of storm combination that uses, you know, big lands and some some untapped land effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be I'd be interested in seeing a mid-range kind of big creatures uh, with yeah. some counter spells, something like that. A, a different type of blue-green strategy that uses other elements of, of those colors. I, I don't yeah, think absolutely. we've seen anything like that before. Okay. Um, I think we've talked enough about classic popper. So, for standard popper, the best way to look at things, I think, is to look at limited. Standard popper is very much dependent on the design that, that comes from Wizards of the Coast for limited play. And in fact, it, it, when I, when I describe standard popper, I, I say, well, it's, uh, the decks feel like you have an awesome draft deck. Because many of those decks feel that way. They're, they're aggressive or mid-range creature decks. Most of them. There are some, some combinations, some combo decks that you can make, uh, work thanks to the fact that you have, uh, you know, you're constructing your deck, you're not dependent on actually drafting. But in general, they do play a bit like that. So, what I thought we'd do is take a look at some of the outstanding limited, uh, cards 
that you know the the various limited reviewers have already decided these are the best cards for the format and see perhaps what what strategies we can come up with or, or how they might help uh, the existing strategies, how they're going to change the standard metagame. So let's go through a few of the, the outstanding cards. Sure. Okay, so the first one that, that stood out uh, is Inaction Injunction uh, in blue. So we're, we're going in the same order that, that, that we were before. We're starting with Azorius. Uh, Inaction Injunction is a blue instant that for one and a blue detains a creature, but it draws you a card. So this is this is a uh, this is a tempo play. So this is the kind of card that I might see in your typical mono blue or blue X tempo deck with some cheap creatures, a little bit of counter, a little bit of bounce. This is almost like a bounce spell, but it draws you a card, and that that's that's a big thing, right? Do you see it going anywhere? Yeah, I actually think that is a good fit in the uh, a blue tempo. Delver-ish deck. I don't know if that's <laughs> that, that that is off limits to say, but this card looks kind of exciting because um, you're losing Vapor Snag. I don't know if they reprinted Unsummon or not in M13. I think they probably did, but this kind of fills that role and gets you up on a card, so it could be a pretty impactful play. Yeah. Um, keeps them from attacking you and keeps them from blocking you. Yep. If you, oh, it's a sorcery, okay. Oh, it's um, a sorcery? I thought it was instant. Oh, well, yeah. it makes sense that it's a sorcery because yeah. Detain is really a sorcery speed yeah. thing. So with that being said, it's it's a little less exciting. I, th- I actually thought it was an instant as well. Um, but So you would be playing it on your main phase. They can't block, and then next turn they can't attack. So it's very much like a bounce spell. Um so it could see some play for sure, especially with the being able to replace itself. I think one thing about standard popper is some of the card draw options tend to be a little less exciting. So this could make the cut, and it's low on the curve as well. Okay. All right. Let's move on to another card. It's called Hussar Patrol. It's okay. a two-four for oh. two colorless yeah. and a blue and a white. And it has both Flash and Vigilance. Mm-hmm. So this is a card that fits well in maybe a similar strategy to the one we just did in Action Injunction, where you have, you know, you, you put some threats, and then you you wait. You're, you're countering their spells, you're bouncing their stuff. And yet you have here a relatively cheap Flash card that you can put in uh, mid-game when the when the... In the right moment, and it'll it'll attack well because it's a well it'll t- attack and block well because it's a two four, and at least the the previous standard popper was all about the two twos, so yeah. a two four would make a, a big impact there. So do you think that that could go in any of the strategies? Mm, I don't know if it goes in any pre-existing ones, um, and there are some flash creatures that fly, but they don't have as big of a toughness, so. I'm not sure if this one is going to end up being better than the, the other ones. There's the Thalia Sea Kite, which is the 2-3 Flash Flyer. And that then they, uh, that one is four as well? That one costs four? Yeah, I think okay. it's three colorless blue. Oh, yeah. I remember it now. Yep. From Dark Ascension, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And then they have the more expensive, the Fairy Invaders and stuff. That Those are probably a little too expensive. I'm not sure. So it just it's going to depend if the four toughness, how relevant that is. And I yeah. think it could be pretty relevant. 
because like you said, it's a small creature format for the most part. But I don't know that there's a blue-white strategy right now in in that format. Yeah, that, well, that, that's it, right? There isn't really a, yeah. a blue-white Which there strategy. could be now that they have a lot of these Azorius cards and the Guild Gate as well. Yeah, and there isn't a blue-white strategy in Classic Popper, which I've always found right. really strange because yes. blue-white is always an outstanding strategy in all the other formats. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, just wait. There will be. Yeah, someday. So let's go on to some Celesnia. Um, well, first of all, let's revisit Centaur Healer. Uh, so we, well, we we discussed this one. It it could definitely see some play, right, in Standard Popper. Yeah. Wow, guy. Well, all of a sudden, he's got much better. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I'm just looking at him now. He seems much better. Like the centaur healing. Three body and he gains three life right yeah. off the jump. Yeah, so in standard popper he does look so much better, right? I mean the big guy. Like I said, I think green white is gonna be a color combination to seriously consider playing in uh standard popper, I think. Yeah. Okay. So here's a here's a card that seems seems pretty okay. Doesn't seem outstanding. But it could it could be something, and that is the Corazada Monitor. It's a it's kind of a lizard, I guess. It's a three three for three and a green, and it's got trample. So just like that, it's uh, you know it's an efficient beater, I guess. But it also has a, an expensive scavenge for five and a green oh. green, right? So that might work in a in a mid rangey kind of controlish deck. Where you're 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 ramping up, you're putting bigger creatures than they are, and you're getting to the late game. And then if this guy dies in in, in the beginning, you you scavenge it in the late game, and you create a really huge creature. Uh, this is probably a pretty good card in limited, and would yeah. surely uh, have a place in the right deck in standard popper. But I'm not sure. I haven't actually seen that deck. At least not in the previous standard popper. I did not see a deck that that could really take advantage of five green green consistently. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, who knows? I want to see scavenge do something mm. uh, in, in standard popper. It's a it's a cool ability. Yeah, and this guy with trample makes him pretty good. If if there is enough of an uh, aura, I guess if there's enough auras in the format or equipment, I think the trample would be pretty good. And you can kind of risk suiting him up with something because you know later on, well, I guess it'd be much later on, <laughs> yeah. you can get use out of him. Yeah. Um, I think if Rancor was reprinted as a common, which would would have been insane if they did that, I guess. But, yeah, well, uh, it, it would screw, guy, screw up limited, basically. Well, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this guy might make it. I, I'm trying to think of what other auras there are in green-white. There's Call to Serve... Ethereal armor. I mean, you could play Abundant Growth, so now you have a number of enchantments. And maybe if there's a couple more, he could. This guy. I mean, even this guy with travel preparations seems pretty nasty. Yeah. So yeah, I think he could. He could be definitely on on the battlefield, causing some havoc. Yeah. I mean, he's not too expensive. You know, three three but, for for four. Yeah, with an with a relevant ability. Yeah. All right. So. Let's have a look at the next guy, and that's uh, the scorpion that we mentioned before. That's Sluiceway Scorpion, Sluiceway, like mm-hmm. juice, Sluiceway Scorpion, uh, for two mana and a green and a black. 
Uh, he's just a 2-2 death touch, but death touch, you know, they, they get, they yep. get their man. They're yep. <laughs> pretty good at attacking, you know, nobody wants to block them. Right. And, and that one has the cheapest scavenge of them all, which is just one black green. And that's a pretty good scavenge price. So here you really are getting two cards for the price of one, mm-hmm. right? So I can see this also in a, in a similar deck. Uh, obviously in this one it would be green and black at least. Uh, but something that can get to the mid range, wants to kind of slow down the game so that it can play its bigger creatures. And this, this would have a place in that kind of strategy. Yeah, I, I'm a little less sure about this one, but we will see that, like you said, it really gums up the board, which is pretty important in Standard Popper. I remember Perilous Mirror used to be in almost every deck I could find, yeah. and that, that was the expert at doing that. And so now that card's gone, uh, which might actually be pretty relevant. Um, not even you know, you lose Fume Spitter as well. You lose a lot of those small guys that stop the opponent from wanting to attack or, or really play out creatures, I think. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Remember, uh, I mentioned that I felt that uh, the power was going down in this in this mm-hmm. set, and that usually represents a slower environment. Right? Yeah. So in a slower environment, the more expensive creatures can do more. So Man, it's really interesting. I never would have thought that there would be a set that was a powered down from Scars of Mirrodin. Because <laughs> when Scars of Mirrodin came out, it was really disappointing to me uh, compared to like the Zendikar block. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting how they're doing, how, yeah. how things are, are shifting a little bit. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, the important thing is that they keep it balanced, right? So sure. that it's fun. Uh, but yeah, it, it does feel slower. Like the, the creatures mm-hmm. are more expensive. They, they do cool stuff, but they're definitely more expensive for what they yeah. do. Um, okay, so the next is uh, Dead Reveler. We we talked about him before. We did. I don't know if we really saw him in a in a standard popper sense, but I think he's he's going to do work here definitely. Yeah, you know what? This guy got a lot better too. <laughs> yeah. just, my my perspective has changed here. Yeah, um, because he's probably one of the biggest guys. I remember when I was looking into standard popper, the biggest creature that was you know being played at all was Stitched Drake, and that's the 3-4 flyer. Mm-hmm. So this it costs guy, the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this guy's easier to cast for more, first of all, single black. Second of all, you don't need to exile anything from your yard. Yeah. So this guy is a guaranteed turn 3-4. Three, three, mm-hmm. So that could be something. Yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, next we have a removal spell, which is Stab Wound. So okay. that, that one uh, for one and a black... One in a black. For one in a black, uh, a creature. It's it's an enchantment. It's an aura enchantment, and the enchanted creature gets minus two, minus two, and its controller loses two life each upkeep. Mm-hmm. So you've got a a decent removal spell. You know, it, it's more expensive than uh, the other enchantment that gave minus two, minus two. Uh, what was it? Uh, burden, yeah. some kind of burden. Um, but this one, this one gives a. a some reach, basically. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's dealing damage if you don't kill the creature. So, and you get, you know, you, you, you as the caster of the spell have the option of deciding, well, is it more important to just outright kill a small creature? Or, uh, how convenient would it be to put this on a larger creature and have them start, you know, dealing damage to their owner? Uh, I, it's, this, this is a, a very efficient spell in limited, and I think it could definitely see something. Standard pop. Yeah, I'm not convinced. Uh, just because 
I don't know if there's enough creatures that are going to stay alive <laughs> to take advantage of it. Well, let's let's uh, let's imagine that we have some of these uh, more expensive, slower cards, okay. like for example the Huzar Patrol. You put okay. this on that guy, and suddenly yeah. he's a zero two. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, that means you 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 can't attack. Well, you can attack, but if you attack, they're just going to block with it. Yeah. And then you, you lose all your benefits. So you might I mean, have they, to. They, you know, they will. Uh, they will definitely block because not blocking makes them take damage and then lose life on their upkeep. So yeah, exactly. So that they're they're gonna they're just gonna throw their 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 creature away. Uh, so you really have to kind of build around that the strategy, right? So it's gonna work better in a deck that has a lot of evasion, uh, mm-hmm. and and it's gonna add to the reach of that deck. What do you think of the artwork of this card? It's it stands out to me. It's different than a lot of it. It's almost like an older style artwork to me. Uh, where there's a lot of emphasis on the expression of pain in someone's face. Uh, <laughs> she looks like she's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a side splitting joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, she she's she's in the side. Actually, yeah, that's it. Somebody she somebody uh, ask her. So what? Which one do you want? She's like, uh, I'm not sure. You want to supersize that? Oh, tough choice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is that is the expression of undecisiveness. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so here's another removal spell. Let's see if this one convinces you. Uh, Annihilating Fire, Whoa. which deals three damage. It costs three, uh, one colorless and two red mana. But it has the clause that it removes the creature from the game. I found that Pillar of Flame was uh, a VIP oh, in, yeah. in Standard Popper in the, in the previous Standard Popper. Absolutely. Because of all the 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 graveyard shenanigans that that could be mm-hmm. done, and I I'm I'm pretty sure this is not going to be much different. You know, you've got Scavenge, you've got uh, Flashback, you've you've got you know, Gravedigger style cards. Are we going to keep Gravedigger? Is that one rotating out? Uh, you've got other types of. I think they might have. Yeah, you've got other types of great diggers, but but the yeah. the, the main one is 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 going away. I think. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, like White Weenie and and Black, they all have a lot of things that allow them to reuse their their creatures. So removing them from the game is going to be key. For the for the red deck, so I think this one will definitely be be useful. Standard popper. I was I was thinking about it for classic popper as well, but um, there isn't really that much that has three three toughness that reuses the graveyard. <laughs> so absolutely in, in that the the two spells that you already have the pillar of flame and the other one that's an instant magma spray magma spray those ones do their job fine. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Okay. Um, and let's have a look at a couple more cards. Uh, Frostburn Weird. Now, this is a weird card. <laughs> it's a 1-4 for only 2 mana. 1 red... No, 2 hybrid mana. Uh, is it mana, actually? Red-blue, red-blue. Uh, so it's relatively easy to cast in a, in a red-blue deck. And it's pretty big, you know, 1-4 for 2 mana. And it has the kind of spell, spell shifter... No, a shapeshifter clause, which is for one mana, for one hybrid red-blue mana, you give it plus one, minus one. And that can be very efficient in a control deck where at the start you just want to stop your opponent from playing it, from, from attacking you. 
And then once you gain control of the board, you can start attacking. Once you, you know, you got plenty of mana, you can start using it up. So this could see some play in a strategy that, that wants to take advantage of that kind of situation. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's actually pretty cool. So it looks like you can pump this a, mo- a maximum of three times, so you'd be attacking for four in the late game. Yeah, assuming it's not blocked. Yeah, I could see this in a in a an is it Archaeomancer control deck for sure. Yes. Not that it works well with Archaeomancer at all, but mm-hmm. I, I think that Archaeomancer is a card that will hopefully and probably should see more play um, with the rotation. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, there's there's gonna be some some decks that that can just abuse its its power pretty well. It's yeah. our it's our little own Snapcaster Mage. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, there's one more card that I wanna uh, mention, and that's Splatter Thug. Uh, he's the new ogre, uh, first striking three three ogre, basically that 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 existed from M12. That okay. one's gonna go away. But okay. this one, this one, this guy is a two two. With first strike and unleash. So if you unleash him, he's a three-three first strike that can't block, which is well considerably, considerably worse than a three-three first strike that can block. <laughs> but which you know, I, I often, I, I, I personally often use that that uh, the ogre, the bloodthirst ogre from M12 mm-hmm. for blocking. You know, when yeah. when I just couldn't get in there, uh, when I wasn't aggressive enough. But I think this guy is still going to be quite the powerhouse in a, in an aggressive burn burn deck or red black deck or sure who knows and maybe when Boris comes out he might do yeah, something uh, with that. That's exciting. Yeah. But don't forget, you do have the option. You can just cast yeah. this guy as a as a two two first strike. Yeah, right. That's so right. you can kind of tailor him to the situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, he can see some play. One thing I'm noticing is that the red black they're getting some. Better, well, I don't know if they're better, but they're getting a larger number of aggressively costed guys. Cause yes. Yeah, they, and especially with the unleash clause. Right. Yeah. There's the there's a red three or two two one unleash. Yeah. It's can called two. Gore House Chainwalker two yeah. one unleash. Yeah. That that one would go in the same deck, I think. Sure. And then there's also the Shred Freak Racto Shred Freak, which is a two one haste for two. And Grim Roustabout is another unleash for colorless black, one colorless, one black, and he can regenerate. Mm, yeah. So, so with all these creatures, some combination of red black aggro could could make it. And there is the the red black grave burn decks, so those yep. could just be slightly modified. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's what I'm going to be going for because that was my deck uh, oh. in the previous standard. Um, there there are. There are a few more cards. There are a lot of other cards that we'll probably see play in standard popper, um, but but they're they're kind of less less standouts. Uh, and I I think we've already uh, talked enough about <laughs> all the new cards. <laughs> so we'll we'll let um, we'll you know we, we might talk about specific decks or stuff like that later on as yeah. as the format evolves. Uh, so for now. Um, think this is this is enough um, one thing I wanted to mention is that in from the pre-releases and you know the little limited the, the few limited events that have happened with return to Ravnica I've been hearing about Rakdos winning a lot and Selesnya winning a lot so if if that is true then those are the the, the two color combinations that are get going to get the biggest boost from this expansion for Sander Popper I could certainly see that. And I think maybe Izzet could also 
do pretty well from here on out in standard popper. Yeah. But I, I think Rakdos and Celestia have probably the most potential. Let me do a quick financial update because some interesting things have been going on. Um, so as everyone should know, marriage and te- tempest drafts have uh, have happened on MTGO uh, to accompany the, the the cube drafting. That is for people that are just waiting for Return to Ravnica, Return to Ravnica to come online. And these drafts are gonna bring down the co- the cost of all the staple cards for those blocks. So the most notable one is probably Lotus Petal, which has already gone down. Well, as, as we're recording this, the Tempest Drafts haven't started yet. Uh, they will have started by the time this is live, uh, just barely. But even now, the Lotus Petal has gone down from, it went up to like 10 or 11 ticks. Uh, and it went right down to 7 ticks as people started selling their Lotus Petals, knowing that Tempest Drafts were going to happen. And once they do start, it'll probably go down even more. I I wouldn't feel bad about just you know buying buying my set you know for cheap uh, and and it's a card you you're gonna want to have and it's gonna go back up uh, definitely and from Mirage you you're gonna want to buy your Crypt Rats your Spinning Darkness your Benevolent Unicorns Fire Blast all those if you check the the price list from Popper's Cage blog you'll see all the cards that are worth anything so just make sure to 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 buy all those. Uh, they'll be cheapest probably a week or two after the drafts have finished. Um, and the last time there was a, a, a draft for a money set was Invasion. And the cards went down a lot. But the drafts were there for two weeks. And here it's only going to be one week. So the cards won't go down by that much. But they'll definitely go down. So make sure to pick them up. Um, the other thing is we are approaching standard rotation. So if you like uh, to play the stock market... This is the time when you want to buy a few of the Mythic Rares. Uh, this week, in fact. Uh, by the time this podcast is out, uh, they may have started to go up, but it might not be too late. So take a look at the prices, see if they haven't gone up by too much, and uh, yeah, it, it's worth you know buying uh, maybe a, a, t- a Temporal Mastery or anything that you think might have potential in the new standard. It's probably worth just purchasing a couple of cards, and they're going to go up, and you make an easy buck just by doing that. All right. What do you think of that, Dime? Are you going to do any investing? It sounds like I am, because a few of the cards you mentioned I still need to pick up. So as long as I can get the timing down, I think I'll be adding to my collection on some of those. Uh, as far as investing in Mythic Rares, I'm not sure. I, I'll have to look at the, the Mythic Rares and see what I think. Are you suggesting to invest in the ones from the Innistrad block in particular? Uh, the, the, the ones that will have a higher chance of, of changing are okay. going to be the ones in Avacyn Restored. Because that was the set that had the fewest, the, the, the fewest uh, product come out. Because it, it wasn't heavily drafted because people didn't really like it that much. And it was uh, the third set to come out. So cards in that set, if they become popular, they'll go up a lot. Gotcha. So anything, anything from that set is probably, like, even Restoration Angel, which is just a, a rare, that will probably go up a little bit. So, mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's relatively safe to invest in a couple of cards here and there, and you're probably going to make, you know, just a little bit of money just from, from buying some of these, because a lot of people are going to be speculating and, and buying this stuff. 
And so just like a couple of weeks after Return to Ravnica is out on NTGO, that'll probably be the best time to just sell them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's about it for a financial update. Um, I want to give out uh, a couple of quick shout outs. Uh, one to uh, Dan, whose MTGO name is Cicela. He, I've been discussing some financial stuff with him, and it's been really cool. Uh, so I just wanted to give you a shout-out, Dan. Um, and also, shout-out to the members of mtgnews.pl. Uh, this is the Polish site. I mentioned it a few episodes ago. Because they've been discussing uh, the matchups table. And they've been giving some a little bit of input. So I'm, I'm going to be using that to modify the matchups table to uh, you know, be a little bit closer to reality, hopefully. And um, we had an email. Uh, we have a listener called Trepa who was inspired by a podcast to try out Stompy. So shout out to Trepa. And one final shout out to Tangent, who's in the process of rebooting his MTGO Hero series in GatheringMagic.com. Uh, hopefully uh, he'll, he'll do well in the new version of it, and maybe he'll do some popper events. Who knows? Shout out to you there. All right, so uh, that's about it for, for today. Dime, um, why don't you tell us how uh, listeners can contact you if, or follow you? Sure. Well, you can find me on MTGO. My ID is Bamboo Rush, all one word. You can also find me on YouTube.com. My account name is Dime Collector SC. You can follow me on Twitter at Dime Collector SC, and you can read my articles and watch additional videos on MTGOAcademy.com. Look for Jason Moore and look for the series entitled Dime a Dozen. And don't forget to mention your clan. Well, if you're interested in joining a clan, you can also check out the clan Popper Gnomes on MTGO. That's a clan I run, and we'd be more than happy to have you aboard. So feel free to do that if you're not currently in one. Cool. And as for me, you can find me personally on MTGO on Twitter as Gabo Cheeto. Uh, my clan on MTGO is Popper Crew, and I encourage everyone to join that one as it is the biggest Popper clan and is very organized and has an active set of members that are always looking to practice various budget formats. Um, you can also contact the show by writing to popperscage at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on our blog at popperscage.blogspot.ca. That's our official website, and you can find written primers for all the decks we've analyzed and all the show notes for each of the episodes, as well as other very useful articles and links. And in addition, you can follow us on Twitter, at Popper's Cage. We'll be tweeting about interesting Popper articles over the web and any up-to-the-minute news you should know about, like when you want to buy or sell cards. And that's all for this episode. Thank you, Dime. Thank you. And thank you, all listeners. Till next time.